0: Hello, dear friends. It's Carly, and welcome to this episode of the I Learned podcast. I'm getting comfy. Uh, You can get comfy if you want. I don't know what you're doing, but whatever it is, maybe just a big deep breath to like settle into the yumminess of this space of getting total freedom to just sit with ourselves and contemplate things that are interesting and use those things as a as a reflection to see ourselves more clearly and to what end are we trying to see ourselves more clearly just satisfaction just enjoyment just the the pleasure of getting to know our soul on an intimate level uh, i don't know about you but i i feel like my relationship with myself is coming into a new chapter uh, where there's i for the last few days uh i've been getting the death card in tarot i think last time we talked about the tower card which is a lot about you know your your life crumbling or like the Phoenix burning up. And then from the ashes or from the rubble of the life that's crumbled, a new life is built. And so I got the tower card, like three readings in a row. And then like the next three readings, I got the death card, which, you know, isn't about physical death so much as it's about metaphorical death, um, death of the self, uh, death of your current self so that your new self can emerge. Um, the old that passes away to make room for the energy of the new to unfold. So that is very much where I am. And I think the the metamorphosis that's happening between my previous self and my new self that I'm in now, um, which I mean, I don't know when exactly that leap happened, but it has. I can I can definitely feel I'm on the other side of something. And with that, I, you know, I would also like to welcome you to season three of I Learned. Um I I am capping us on season two with that last episode. And with this one, we're stepping into a new energy of doing what we're here to do, taking that for real, for serious, literally, it's legit. Uh, Our soul had a reason when it came. And I just finished listening to uh, the book Between Death and Life by Dolores Cannon. So it's about the experience between lifetimes. You know, it's, it's based in the belief or the understanding of reincarnation and our eternal evolution as a soul and that basically this earth plane is a school where we come to learn lessons. And, you know, because it's a physical reality, we incur karma and, you know, some karma is bad, some karma is good. And we carry that karma throughout lifetimes. And so in between lifetimes, there's a process of reevaluation and learning and studying and making a plan for re-entry and how is it that you want to pursue your next set of lessons or perhaps how you want to try to take a run at the same lesson that you just did in the last lifetime, but you didn't pass. You you know, like the one example that she talked about in the book was um, a guy who from his in-between point, he He chose a really, really poor family to be born into because where his soul was in its evolution, it wanted to learn, which we are not all the same. We're not all practicing the same lessons. So by no means is anybody saying that this is what we're all here to do. But in that lifetime, he chose a poor family because his soul wanted to learn how to not covet things that other people have and be satisfied with what you have, no matter what that is. And so he chose a family where there were very little material possessions. And once he got into that physical life thinking that this is going to set me up to know how to, how to do that. Like, if I don't have anything, then I'll have to learn how to be okay with it. He turned into a thief and like basically, you know, just he, he went out into the world and he took what he wanted from others. And so his soul quote unquote didn't pass. That lesson, like he got distracted in the earth plane with all of the deliciousness that it is to be physical. And he did not complete the sole lesson of learning that, you know, to be satisfied with what you have without coveting what other people have. So, so if that's what happened, then in that in-between space between death and life, it's about making a new approach like okay well that didn't work so now where am i gonna go where how am i gonna enter so that i can learn this lesson so that i have the greatest chance of learning this lesson and so there's there's a lot of evaluation that goes on in that in-between place and when our soul is ready with its next plan of attack for whatever lessons we're trying to learn we make our entry back into this world. And the last chapter, chapter 16 of that book is called the return trip. And the whole book was, I'm going to say life-changing to get to understand, like, cause there's, I mean, there's so much resonance in the whole entire book. And like she says, like she explains at the beginning and the end that, you know, they regressed many people into that dead state and all of these different people told their story of what it's like there and she took all of those stories and combined them all into this book between death and life and so it's not just like one person's account of what's there it's described by many many different people who As you listen to the whole book, it sounds like they all went to the exact same place. You know, obviously, if you listen to the book, you get to decide for yourself. But it's fascinating to me because it really does sound like they all went to the same place. They all did the same thing. And like none of them had any any of those kinds of beliefs like going into it. And so for them to all understand the same thing from that like hypnotized, like whatever theta state or whatever it is that they go into when they're there, um, when they're under hypnosis, they all had the same experience. So yeah, I found it to be very fascinating. So the return trip, the, the coming back into the physical, um, chapter 16, I, I found that to be especially powerful, uh, in terms of pain management and, I'm going to spend however much time, you know, the rambling continues for going into all of that. But pain management, when I say pain, I mean kind of pain of any kind. Um, If you're particularly interested in pain or health or any of those kinds of topics, I highly recommend the episode that I did on epigenetics, um, which is basically a YouTube video that I, well, this is not what it is, but this is how I learned about it. I is a YouTube video that I'm sharing that is from Dr. Bruce Lipton and he teaches epigenetics and in detail, you can find as much content as you want, but that 10 minute video like sums it up and it's powerful stuff. um, Where he puts forward the idea that your perception controls your biology and Abraham is also teaching that your perception controls your reality. Uh, So those are basically the same thing, just with a different word on the end, but they're both saying that the basis of your life is your perception. And in epigenetics, they say like your perception controls your biology and that ease is our natural state for our body um, is that the energy flows through us easily. And, disease or dis ease is when we are carrying blocks inside of us. We're holding on to energy that is disrupting the natural flow of what energy is trying to move through us. And because we're disrupting our energy flow, our body is manifesting disease, dis ease. Um, so yeah, it's like being under stress for long periods of time. Like it will actually start to damage your body to keep your body under stress because we are meant to be at an easy resting place and stress is very important. It's what helps us survive. Like it's what, you know, kicks in adrenaline when we're being chased by a lion so that we can run away and we can hopefully survive and persevere and continue on in our life force. Like that's very important to us. Stress is very important, but we were never meant to live under stress all the time. So all of that to say that all of these teachers that I'm finding that like perception is literally the key, the way that you look at the world, it's not the world itself. It's the filter through which we each see it that creates our reality You know, it's our relationship to this world that defines our reality. So in terms of pain management, there's a perspective there that can be achieved that can, while it may not take away the immediate pain itself, it can absolutely wrap the pain in an understanding of what this pain is, what it's here for why I'm in this, why I'm experiencing this pain. Um, and ultimately practicing our trust muscles, you know, trust in the unfolding trust in the way that your life is going. And there are some quotes from the end of the Dolores Cannon book between death and life that I want to share. and then I also pulled some tarot cards to continue to clarify this energy that this like this chapter 16, it felt so powerful. So I have three cards that I'm going to add to the discussion after I share these quotes. Um, so I have several. Uh, the first one, and these are just in the order that they were in chapter 16. Like if you were to listen to it, you would come to them in the same order. So they're not in my favorite or like prioritized order, just in order. So unconditional love is the lesson our planet is learning at this time. That one uh, feels extremely personal to me. I feel like I've come to understand that my personal soul mission is to demonstrate unconditional love. And I teach myself lots of things um, to expand my perspective to as wide as it can be so that I can practice unconditional love. I work on myself so that I can practice unconditional love. Like I feel like everything that I do comes back to this pursuit of unconditional love. So when I heard her say that unconditional love is the lesson our planet is learning at this time. And actually in a different context of that chapter, she said something like, um, and we're pretty far along in learning it. Like we've already advanced through the early stages of learning unconditional love. And part of learning unconditional love, and I don't have a quote on this, so I'll add it here, is experiencing the lack of it. It's experiencing the lack of love altogether, and it's experiencing conditional love. And through experiencing all of that part of the spectrum, when you get to unconditional love, you know it because you can feel it and that's discernment that in order to know what unconditional love really is we have to know what the rest of that spectrum feels like and then in any moment we're always in the driver's seat of getting to choose how do we want to feel how do we want to focus our thoughts what kind of thoughts do we want to reach for and tell ourselves over and over again so that we can feel the way we want to feel and at this point, like as she's saying all of that, I'm definitely resonating with like the emotional pain of my early years, and I've come a long ways in making peace with the making peace with that and what happened. And that the more I make peace with it, the more I broaden my perspective of it. The more I'm able to let myself off the hook, I'm able to let my parents off the hook, I'm able to let my brothers off the hook, I'm able to let my seventh grade class off the hook, like all of it, every single bit of it was exactly what it was supposed to be. And that's what these next few quotes are really about. So the next one is, in those times of distress and urgency we would ask that you always remember that your experiences are given to you by yourself. You, yourself, choose that which is to be experienced so that so you may learn those lessons that you need. Thus, through these painful experiences, you will indeed begin to know yourself, and if you learn something from these experiences, then they will not have been in vain. You are truly the master of your own fate and destiny. You yourself are completely in control of what you call of what you call into your lifetime, and that's so true. You know, like I don't think I've ever told the story of what happened to me in seventh grade. It's I had to quit telling that story um, altogether because I was being a victim. About it, and when I told the story, it elicited sympathy for me, which always pissed me off because that's like not not how I see myself at that point. Telling the story, and it didn't feel good for people to feel sorry for me, and that's kind of what woke me up to, like you got to stop telling this story because apparently the way you're telling it, you're painting yourself as this like poor little victim, and. I didn't like the feeling of that even, and this was even before, like before my, um, spiritual awakening, if you want to call it that. Um, so I had to, I just had to stop telling the story. And really, I think the part that made me sound like a victim was that I didn't tell the whole story. I went pretty easy on my part in it. Um, might as well just go into it and, you know, in the spirit of things feel better when they come out into the light. Um, yeah. Like I have, I have regret about this and I don't even think I realized that because when I, for quite a while, like I always said, I didn't have any regrets and I really have very few and that's great. But Then I was like, well, no, I got these two that like, if I could go back to those moments and get to live them again, I think I would, but I think I would add this third moment to the list. But like, at this point, I'm understanding that I don't want to go back and relive it and do it differently because it worked out exactly as it was supposed to. So I want to put that blanket over it for myself, most of all, because I haven't told this story in a long time. Um... I want to lean into the version of appreciating exactly what happened for what it was, you know, um, because it did, it imprinted on me. It, it, it changed the fabric of my understanding of a lot of things. So, um, but I'm going to start at the beginning and I'm going to tell what I did, which I normally didn't do because this is the part that I'm ashamed of, um, Because in seventh grade, I was dating this boy and we had been dating for not very long at all. And in seventh grade, dating is more of like, you're going to sit next to each other at the football games. You're not going to touch each other, but you are going to sit next to each other and everybody else will know that you're dating, but nothing is actually like different. And you probably talk less than you did before. So that was like about what it was. And then I decided that I don't want to date this boy anymore and I was talking to a friend of mine and we got each other all riled up and I was doing that same behavior of painting myself as the victim and telling the story to my friend in a way that was putting me as the victim and her her instinct as my friend was to like stand up for me and all of that. And so, sh- I mean, that, that back and forth got me very riled up and resulted in me writing a letter or a note as they were called. And I put it in his locker. The note was long and it was detailed and it was probably the cruelest intentional thing I've ever done, um, by, by a landslide. Um, Probably like one of the only intentional, cruel things I've ever done. I knew what I was doing. I was being mean. And I said such mean things to him in that letter and insulted him in so many ways, like just picked one thing after another and just cut him down. And I dropped that note in his locker like it wasn't nothing. And it set off a reaction as you can imagine. And that seventh grade year, I I was basically bullied. And like he said something. We were at a middle school football game shortly after that, and I was sitting there with my friends, like a group of of girls or whatever, and a little ways away in the bleachers was a group of guys, and he was with them. And he said uh, pretty loudly something to the effect of, like, somebody asked if, if we had like actually broken up and he was like, yeah, cause you know, the only way I could fuck her is with a Brown bag over her head implying that I'm ugly. And we're again, we're 12 years old. We're in seventh grade. There was like not even touching, let alone fucking. Um, so I know that that reaction was his hurt feelings because one of the main reasons I wanted to break up with him was because he liked me so much more than I liked him. And I just like, he was giving me presents and he was like all up in my space. And I was like, I don't really like him that much. And like this experiment is over. And so that's as simple as it was on my side. And yet I didn't, I didn't end it like that. I didn't end it with treating him with respect at all. And it blew up in my face for, I mean, it was that entire year. Like I tried to go out for track and I, I quit like two days in because there's a group of boys behind me, like running and running behind me and like taunting me with like Brown Bag Special and on and on. And I just like couldn't couldn't expose myself to where there would be people who wanted to treat me that way. And it has taken me, you know, like I was 12 I'm 33 now. So it's taken me about 21 years to fully accept that, like, I brought all of that on myself. Like, I have been so mad at so many people who treated me horribly, all the while just burying my shame and never coming to terms with how awful. I was to that guy. And I see him now, he still lives in this town so he comes into the grocery store and he's cool and he's got kids and a wife and like he's cool towards me and I'm cool towards him. And I mean really by the time we got a couple grades ahead like it was it was water under the bridge between him and I but between me and the 7th grade class I've been hanging on to that, you know, like that heaviness and that resentment and that feeling like the victim and I realized that I had to stop telling that story because I was only telling the part about what they did to me about basically like from what he said and all the guys sitting around him laughed and it was done like I was brown bag for the rest of seventh grade as far as basically everyone was concerned um so like that left its mark in a sense of like Me feeling like I'm ugly, like physically ugly, uh, was basically like cemented in that seventh grade year. And it took me, I don't know, however long, um, to come to terms with like letting go of that belief that I'm ugly and being able to say like, I'm beautiful. And really like that work, um is probably why i'm able to tell this story in the first place is like i needed to learn that lesson i needed i needed to be cut down in the way that i cut him down because honestly it like thinking about how i treated him like just dropping that self-esteem bomb on him and expecting him to just deal with it it makes me want to cry like the amount of guilt that I have over treating him that way. And I think my punishment of being bullied that seventh grade year was punishment that fit the crime. And even though I I never really put it together like this, I know subconsciously that I figured out immediately that you don't treat people that way. You do not Take their emotions lightly for and just like, slash them down for no good reason. Like this sounds like such a like, how did I not already know that? (laughs) You know, like, I think this is where like going back to what you know, the guy who wanted to learn how to not covet other people's stuff. And he got distracted and he became a thief. And eventually like he got caught trying to steal something really important and they sentenced him to death. And so that's how he died in that lifetime. So he was back in the in-between place, like trying to figure out like, okay, so I failed once. How do I go back in and do it again? And I think, you know, it's easy to get distracted in what you think, you know about things and you make decisions from that place of what you think you know and then life happens in response and none of it is to say that we are bad or wrong or evil or anything like those choices have consequences and the consequences help us learn so I mean going back to this quote I just read of like all of that is us learning and we get the lessons that we need to learn the lessons that we chose to give to ourselves, you know, from that in-between place of choosing to reenter into a physical form. We chose to come back. We had a reason. We decided all of that for ourselves. We chose our entry point for ourselves because we thought it had everything that we would need to learn what we wanted to learn out of this life. So that just, delicious. Um, this one, I really enjoyed as well. You simply put your pieces on the board and let others choose for themselves what feels good or doesn't. And that one was basically in response to like, we cannot create in the lives of other people. And I think they were really talking about influence and the difference between influencing another person and dominating another person. Um, when you dominate another person, you like attempt to control that other person's actions. Uh, you try to dictate their outcomes, um, regardless of what they want. That would be domination with influence. You simply put your pieces on the board and let others choose for themselves what feels good or doesn't. And that for me sank in on a really deep level, just because I like with this podcast in general, it's very much the vibe that I come to it with is like, I want to tell stories about things that I've learned that have felt really powerful in my system. And from that people can do with that, whatever they want. I'm not saying at all that you have to learn your natal chart and you have to learn human design and you have to learn all of that. Like, no, like there are plenty of people out there who are happy and successful and fulfilled and, they're feeling their way there. So there's no one right way to, to get to where you want to go. And we are all influencing every single person we meet all day long, whether we know it or not, because anytime someone like looks at your example, they come into contact with you and now they're experiencing your example, you're influencing them. And, owning that for what it is that like, you know, we're all responsible for the influence we have on other people, the, the pieces we put out on the board. And going back to my seventh grade story, like I put my pieces out on the board. I, I planted those seeds. I dropped that note in his locker. I had a decision to make, I wanted to end the relationship and I chose to do it in about the worst possible way I ever could have. And there were basically immediate consequences to doing that. And all of that now looks like a really beautiful lesson in compassion because I showed him no compassion. I gave him no regard. I wanted to get out of the relationship, and I choose. I chose hurting his feelings as the best route forward, and that was on me, and every single thing that came back to me as a result of that choice is my karma, and is my soul's evolution. Um, yeah, and it taught me immediately, whether I was conscious of it or not, like I said, like, I put those pieces out there and if I didn't like how that unfolded, I should put better pieces out there. Our choices are, are reflected back to us, uh, very powerfully. And all of it though is lessons that our soul needed to do what it needed to do. The next quote kind of goes along with, um, like influencing other people and creating in their reality, which you cannot do. Uh, And basically, so when creating realities, it is important to include the disclaimer. Only that which is most appropriate will be manifest. We would say that which is necessary is that which will be manifest. It is very difficult for us here on the earth to see the anguish, heartache, and pain of other people and recognize that it is evolution. So when I, both of us, you know, I think about that too. I hadn't realized that either. Like I've been so guilty about dropping that note in his locker. And yet he had that experience as well. Like we manifested it together. Um, He attracted the note in his locker as much as I attracted the school year full of bullying. Um, So He's responsible for his karma, you know, and there's there's a certain amount of letting myself off the hook that I can do by remembering that, that he attracted that experience just like I attracted my year of living hell. Um, and both of us, I think, came out of it for the better, you know, like in those experiences, it's an opportunity to become stronger and more resilient it's an opportunity to allow the contrast to clarify for us and for us to be redirected towards like who we really are and what really matters. Um, I will tell you that like having that planted where I thought for so long that I was ugly, uh, it definitely changed the course of my life. Like I I put very little emphasis on my external appearance or like really tried to be invisible as much as possible. And meanwhile, I really got into like, I already love to learn. I already love to expand my knowledge and just basically like turned inward and worked on myself on the inside of like trying to like myself because I knew that I didn't, I knew that I thought I was ugly and I thought I wasn't smart enough. And all of these things that just, that's what my early life caused me to believe. And I now am able to see how much my soul chose all of that. And that those were the lessons that You know, like I have no doubt that like she even talked about, you know, when you're in that in-between place between lifetimes that you set up soul contracts, you make arrangements with other souls to meet up and do stuff. And the way that that experience unfolded, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he and I had had that kind of arrangement a lot too, because that, that guy was born just a couple weeks before me. And my mom went back to work when I was six weeks old and I went to a babysitter and the babysitter was that guy's mom. And so me and that guy were raised side by side for like the first year, um, couple years of our life. And that is just one more, you know, like I wouldn't be surprised if he and I came together so that I could write him that note and whatever that did to his life, I have no idea. Um, and what it did to my life. Um, I think we both were meant to attract that lesson and there's no victimhood in any of it. There's complete control over the lessons we want to learn. And like I said, that was like a powerful lesson in compassion. When I'm crying myself to sleep, so many nights, I'm begging my mom to transfer me to a different school. And she wouldn't, she said like, it'll pass. (laughs) It will pass. And you know, the summer after seventh grade and we go back and it's eighth grade, like it was like, it never happened for anybody else. Like it was just a fresh start. There was, there was no mention of it after that. And I'm very grateful for that, but still it's just like, yep, that's all I needed. I needed that one school year of being harassed and being shown that when you do one little thing of hurting somebody else, the ripple effects can have massive consequences. Um, but I think that's a lot what we're here to learn. You know, we're here to learn the effects of our actions on other people. Um, that's what the physical plane is, is perfect for. Uh, another quote that I wrote down, and I think this is the last one is the most important period to work on is the present that that's really all there ever is, is this right now moment, which is always so helpful to remember. Um, this book, seriously, I cannot recommend it enough. Um, I listen on audible, uh, and I think it was like, Actually, I think if you download Audible, you get like a credit for free or whatever. So you could probably listen to this for free. Um, And then otherwise, I think the credits are like $14.99 per book. And I think it was a 10-hour listen. So I highly recommend if you are at all interested. um, It did take me a while to finish it because I started it uh, probably a few months ago now. And then... um, didn't listen to it for quite a while and came back to it last week. Uh, I had some car time and that sounded like fun to put back on. And the last half, like holy moly, especially with everything else that's been going on lately, was very, very powerful to understand that that in-between place where we are in total control of picking our entry into this life where we are responsible for those choices that we make and with that you know the the pain management that I said at the beginning this is that perspective this perspective of I chose this and this is serving me this is helping me to do what it is that my soul came here to do because I can tell you that that compassion for caring for the emotions of other people, like I said, it has, it has shaped my whole world. It, it kind of refined the fabric of my very essence uh, to get that powerful lesson in compassion. So I know that that compassion and that paying attention to other people's feelings, it serves me in what I do now in how I connect and relate to people now and how I like, I take very good care with my words. Um, I try my utmost to not let my emotions run away with me and say things that I'm going to regret. Um, Because when you regret something that you said, like there's no worse feeling because there's literally nothing you can do about it. The only thing we can do about it is work on this present moment and Work on ourselves such that next time we get into a situation where we're feeling emotional or triggered, that we don't say things that we're going to regret. All we can ever do is stop making that same mistake. We can't do anything about the mistakes that we made before. All we can do is own those, you know? Um, One of the cards I was reading this morning said something about, like, accepting the parts of yourself that you don't openly share. And me writing that really mean note to him was previously on the list of things that I don't openly share. And even though this morning when I read that, I didn't even think of that piece, but I did send an intention down through me that said, yes, I want to accept any pieces that are still being rejected by me any pieces of me that are still being rejected by me, I want to heal those. I want to invite them back into my loving embrace. I want to love every bit of myself. I set that intention again this morning, probably for the thousandth time, maybe the millionth, who knows. Um, but yeah, it, it just, every lesson that we go through has its purpose. And The tarot cards that I want to share, I think, have a little bit more that can help us understand. Okay, so uh, definitely check out the Instagram, uh, Owning Authenticity, if you want to see the cards. Uh, I use the Lightseer's tarot deck, uh, my favorite deck of all time, like I tell you guys every time. Uh, That deck is available on Amazon, and I just particularly enjoy the vivid colors of these cards, so... That's why I always encourage you to go check out the picture on Instagram. The art is so vivid. Um, the emotion definitely comes through these cards. Uh, so as I was listening to the the last chapter and it was resonating so deeply and so powerfully and I could feel this big energy, this big understanding that I was only dully getting a sense of and I wanted... Uh, I all of a sudden like was inspired to want to draw a tarot card to basically like help me understand this energy that I'm feeling, uh, in all of this. And I drew the first card is major arcana two, the high priestess. The keywords are dreams, powerful visions, psychic insights, serendipity, meditation, introspection, intuition, a spiritual experience. And that's exactly (laughs) the spiritual experience part is exactly how it felt to get to listen to Dolores Cannon's book between death and life. So again, if I, have I recommended it yet on this episode? Maybe not. So let me mention it one more time. Um, all right. The priestess sits on the edge of this realm and the next as she draws down meaning and illumination from beyond the veil sacred insights and profound wisdom are flowing to you now and to access them you must tune in to your intuition and submerge your thoughts into her subconscious realm the language of the unconscious mind is revealing itself to you now through metaphor in dreams or as ancient memories that resurface to be processed. Uh, hello, 7th grade. Pay attention to synchronicity, any nagging feelings of being off track, as well as gut feelings that move you in a new direction at this time. The divine whispers that are emanating from your soul hold an important message for you, and the bridge between the enigmatic realm of the priestess and the and your conscious understanding of the signs will be found through your own quiet introspection. And the affirmation is, I have the answers I seek, and by following the truth, I will find them. I love this card uh, for this moment because, well, because everything I just said, um, but it really did feel like getting to download a new understanding, a wider understanding of how this all works and how in control I really am. That was a belief I already had as far as like Abraham teaching that we, we each create our own reality, whether we do it unconsciously or consciously, um, we each are experiencing our own reality and that we can shape that. Um, I also from studying astrology and natal charts and just incarnation beliefs in general, um, Believe that we chose our starting point, the exact date and time and family and everything of when we made our entrance. I believed already that it was on purpose. And then here's this book that basically explains like all of the deliberation that goes into creating those soul paths that we bring with us into our life. So yeah, it was uh, fascinating. Um, So I drew that card and that was kind of in the middle I drew the high priestess card in the middle of still listening to that episode or the last chapter of that book. And as I finished, and as I knew that this is like exactly what I want to come in here and talk about is this book, that it feels so good in this concept of pain management and really understanding that we chose every ounce of anything that ever happened to us. Um, that there's somehow a release in that, uh, a release of blame and like trying to displace any negativity by putting it outside of yourself instead of owning that this is happening to me right now. And my soul only chooses the things that are the most appropriate for teaching me what I wanted to learn. So, I'm gonna lean in to the discomfort of this moment and see what this has to teach me, to see what I can learn from this experience. Um, so I drew two more cards and it was fascinating. Uh, it's the Three of Swords and Five of Swords. Um, so if you're familiar with tarot, the message definitely evolves. Uh, each suit has a slightly different message as far as a slightly different facet of life. And as you start in the early cards and move to the higher uh, cards in each suit, there's an evolution of energy. So to draw the three and the five of swords, uh, they both complement each other exceptionally well. The three of swords, uh, the, the keywords are painful separation, loss, heartbreak, an opportunity to heal, shadows coming to light, finding inspiration again. Heartbroken, she falls to her knees and screams to the universe for a second chance. Separation can come in many forms, from the loss of a relationship or identity to the disintegration of belief, purpose, or goals. Separation from what we thought we had can mark painful moments in our lives. If you find yourself amidst wavering realities and losing something that feels near and dear to your heart, know that this too shall pass. This severing, although painful, is a necessary part of the process. Despite all proof to the contrary, your brightly lit future will arrive because of this experience. Tie yourself to your light and prepare to spend some time nurturing your tender spirit. These shadowy times are always opportunities to become stronger and more resilient. So give yourself time to heal and know that you will love thrive and find inspiration again soon. My heart remains tender and open. And this one reminded me of a lot of things. Um, it mostly reminded me of my parents and making peace with how my up upbringing was like relative to my parents and that I have done a lot to make peace with that. And that that has helped me tremendously, um, throughout all areas of my life. But the way that this says, um, this severing, although painful is a necessary part of the process, despite all proof to the contrary, your brightly lit future will arrive because of this experience. That part just I mean I I already was kind of believing on some level that like my painful childhood made me who I am you know in some abstract way I think I did already believe that but I am believing it and knowing it even more strongly than ever because I know that I chose that vehicle. I chose this vehicle of being myself and being born to this family and being raised by these people in this place and time. I chose all of that. I knew that this would provide every building block I needed to build my life. And I love where I am right now. I love my life. I love being me. I love my existence. I love my day-to-day. I love my relationships. I love my work. I love my family. I love everything about where I am. And I couldn't have gotten here if I didn't have the building blocks that I picked up in my childhood. You know, so much of my current satisfaction has to do with trying to figure out how not to be depressed anymore. That was how I came to these skills that I have as far as managing my vibration and being aware of my emotions and choosing to focus my thoughts so that I'm controlling my emotions and I'm controlling what I'm attracting because I'm controlling how I feel. Um, I know how to do all of those things. I learned how to do all of those things because I was trying to claw my way out of yet another depression and, I was in that depression because of self worth issues, self esteem issues, um, thinking that I'm ugly, thinking that, you know, who's gonna love me? I'm not lovable. Nobody likes me. I'm I'm not likable. I'm ugly. Like the, this is how I was feeling about myself before, and that was in that depression, you know, that was causing the depression because when we think mean things about ourselves, it hurts our feelings. And when we hurt our feelings over and over and over again, eventually that's depression. That's basically what happens. Um, so, you know, all of those thoughts that led to all of that, all of those years depressed, it all was exactly as I needed it to be so that, you know, going back to that very first, quote of unconditional love is the lesson our planet is learning at this time and needing to experience not love and needing to experience conditional love and knowing the difference in all of those vibrations so that when we get to a place of unconditional love, we know exactly where we are and we can hold ourselves there har- like with harmony because we know all of that spectrum. We have an awareness of just how delicious unconditional love really is because we experience the other. And if we didn't have the experience of the other, we could never have the delicious experience of unconditional love. And that is literally the reason I'm here is to demonstrate unconditional love. So I knew like in that in between place before this lifetime I knew that I need a place where they're not going to love me. They're not going to give me unconditional love. I need them to not give me unconditional love because I need to know what it feels like when it's not there. And that that is really the quickest way to me discovering the power and the beauty and the abundance of unconditional love is to hit the ground running with learning what it's not. So I chose perfectly, you know, like here I am. At what I consider to be a very young age and living my purpose, standing with both feet solid on my platform, living my soul's purpose. And I got here because of my painful upbringing and working these last several years to make peace with that one chunk at a time has led me to this moment where not only am I at peace with it, but I'm also appreciating it. Like I'm appreciating that the consequences of that letter that I wrote at the beginning of seventh grade, the consequences were so immediate and so powerful, it left no question in my mind as to the impact of my actions on not only other people, but on myself. That like what you put out comes back to you times a thousand, maybe even more than that. And I learned that lesson like one and done. (laughs) Took nine months in seventh grade and I was good to go. Don't need to learn that lesson again. I know that if I run like a bulldozer over somebody's tender heart, that I will pay for it by having my tender heart crushed repeatedly until I understand that, You cannot treat people this way. So whatever the experience is, um, you know, and some, some things are, are harder for us to wrap our minds around than others. Like it says in that other quote, um, only that which is most appropriate will be manifest. We would say that which is necessary is that which will be manifest it is very difficult for us here on earth to see the anguish, heartache, and pain of other people and recognize that it is evolution. So there are things that we think like, well, but that's just awful. That's just, you know, that child shouldn't have to go through that, or that whole country is starving, or, you know, there's all of these things, but every single soul that chooses to come into this life has a reason, has a set of lessons, and they chose that life. They wanted that one. They wanted that one. And really, I think the most like powerful piece of chapter 16 in that book was that like she talked about um, when like, you know, a mom will be pregnant and will lose the baby or it's a stillborn or something really hard like that. And basically it's the soul of the child um, that like when the mom loses the baby, it's like the baby wasn't developing like the body itself wasn't developing the way that it needed to for the soul to be able to use that body as the vehicle that it would need to do the mission that it was coming for. So basically it was like, okay, that this, this vehicle isn't going to work and that that's what leads to some miscarriages. And that made so much sense. Um, my mom had a miscarriage, uh, before she got pregnant with me by like, I think two or three months she miscarried. And then, um, she like a few months later, she got pregnant with me. And that makes so much sense that like that vehicle was not, was not going to serve its purpose. Um, and that, nope, we don't need that one. Try again. And then she had four healthy pregnancies back to back and, Basically, what I took away from that whole explanation in chapter 16 was like, if you are here in the physical, like you survived the womb, you survived birth, you survived until now, your soul is on its path. Your soul is is gathering the building blocks, is gathering the lessons, is learning the things that you wanted to learn through this vehicle, through this lifetime. And all of it is exactly as you knew it would be. You chose this particular life for the value that it held. And I just, that, that knowledge feels like, like peace. It feels like, ease. It feels like letting myself and others off the hook for everything bad that's ever happened in my life. It was all exactly as I hoped it would be. All of those lessons, they were exactly what I needed to get here. And here is pretty damn amazing. And the last card is the five of swords. The, and this is going along with right all of that. Um, the keywords are conflict Unfair advantage, experiencing loss, the need to build your skills and your confidence, and hollow victories. You may have experienced an unexpected loss that has left you a little bit sore. Sometimes life just isn't fair, and these inequities can drain our energy for much longer than they need to. Often, it's the fear of failure that does most of the draining. If you are feeling outsmarted or out-jousted, remember that one chapter doesn't define you. Wins and losses are both a part of the human experience, and the keys to self-improvement lie dormant inside the difficulties. Boost Boost your consciousness, upgrade your skills, and build on this experience. In Shadow, we learn that winning isn't everything. The obsessive desire to win can have us stopping at nothing to feel victorious. And in the long run, we risk everything we've built along the way. You may find yourself a few steps backward after winning if you are not bringing your integrity to the games. Motives matter. The lessons move me ahead always. And that last part definitely reminds me of like dropping that note in his locker felt powerful. It felt like I want out of this relationship, this is me getting what I want, he has all of these flaws, and I've shined a light on all of it. It felt like a demonstration of my power in that moment, and... In a sense, I mean, I I wouldn't ever really use the word winning, other than to de- like connect it to this explanation here. But in a sense, like I was I was exhibiting my power in that situation. I was like declaring that I was the winner. And you may find yourself a few steps backward after winning if you are not bringing your integrity to the games. Motives matter. Um, yeah, yeah, I'd say so. I'd say, you know, it depends on how you get there. Uh, how how much of a victory it really is or isn't um but again at the same time like anything that has happened in my past or in your past it has all gotten you to hear where you are and the only thing that we can ever do is work on the present moment work on making peace with the lessons that made us who we are um like I said, I mean, the compassion that I got out of that experience has definitely shaped how I approach basically everything. If there are other people involved, I have awareness on turned on and activated of, like, beware of hurting their feelings. And I still do sometimes, you know, like none of us are perfect, but but I try really hard not to hurt people's feelings because... I know that we are all connected. You know, this energy soup that you get what you put out. Like when you put hatred out into the world, it gets dumped on your doorstep, period. I know that. And so I know that like, I want to have compassion for myself, for everyone. I want compassion to be dumped on my doorstep. I want, I want to treat others the way that I want to be treated. You know, there's a reason that that saying is a thing um, because it does embody that essence of you get what you put out, treat others the way you want to be treated. And that means with respect, with compassion, with seeing their value, even if, even if you don't want to be in a relationship with them anymore, that does not mean anything about their value is less than it used to be. And again, treating that Treating that person like that is one of those things that, you know, this has definitely helped ease my guilt. Not that I'm proud of that moment by any means, but I do believe that this has helped me maximize like what I'm supposed to learn and what I'm supposed to take away from that experience um, in terms of building my compassion and, you know, like, doing enough damage to that one person that I have now spent the last 21, 22 years, um, like doing my damnedest to not do more damage. And I got to think that in the grand scheme of things that even though I hurt him and even though that caused a tidal wave of shit to come back on me, um, I got to think that that was the path of least resistance. You know, like it's not a path of no resistance. It's a path of least resistance. And I think doing the damage that that one school year did was less in the big picture than if I hadn't gone through that lesson and I had continued to just steamroll over other people's feelings in more subtle and minor ways where the consequences were more subtle and minor, because, you know, the consequences are always a direct reflection of what we did, our choice. So, you know, up until that point, I had probably already been acting that way, steamrolling over other people's feelings and considerations. And the consequences weren't big enough for me to notice the error of my ways. And then that opportunity provided itself where I acted egregiously enough that the consequence was large enough where I could see that this is not how I want to conduct myself. And my behavior, although shameful, initiated a lesson where I now know for a fact that my actions matter and that in this interconnected world that we all share, there is no hurting somebody else. There's only ever creating hurt. And if I'm creating hurt for somebody else, it is going to come back to me, period. Whether it be big where I can see like how, how immediate, you know, like I dropped that note in his locker and like the next day I'm brown bag for a year. So like that was so clear, crystal clear. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for the clear circumstances where I can finally see that I'm being a dick and I don't need to act that way. I need to chill and consider other people in how I choose to conduct myself, you know, not that I ever have to be controlled by other people, but I need to not do willful damage to other people in me choosing to assert myself and be who I want to be. I'm allowed. I'm totally allowed. I didn't want to be in a relationship with him. I can break up with him. That is not the thing. But when I willfully hurt someone else, that is, that's tacking on to my karma. That's, that's doing damage to me, you know, that's putting ripple effects out there that are negative and awful. And that touches people in a negative and awful way. And I don't want to do that. I know that for a fact. I want to send out ripple effects that feel good, that feel Positive and helpful and supportive and unconditionally loving. You know, like if I could go back in time and write that letter, I'll, obviously I can't, but it would say, like, you're a really good person, but you're not the person for me. Have a nice life, you know, <laughs> and leave it at that. None of the rest of that was necessary. And I learned it hurt. It hurt really bad. Like I said, I cried many a night, uh, at how people were treating me. And I've spent many years being upset about how people treated me and feeling like a martyr. Like how dare they treat me this way? (laughs) (sighs) Girlfriend, uh, Life is always a reflection of us. Our external circumstances are a reflection of our internal circumstances. Our outer world reflects our inner world. And I know that my inner world produced a note that was cruel and hurtful to someone for no good reason. And the outer world reflected that same cruelty to me. So I think you know, as much as any of us want to stop and ask ourselves, like, when have I ever been treated poorly in my life? And how can I see that that was actually a reflection of my inner world, of my soul's karma, my soul's lessons that it wanted to learn? How did them treating me poorly help me evolve as a soul? And sometimes, you know, Like I can remember my mom saying something to me one time and that was even before, you know, I, that was like around my fifth grade year. And basically I was calling my brother fat. I was telling him that he was fat. This is another story that I really only used to tell the part where she said what she said, and it made me look like the victim. And I liked that. I liked being the victim and I eventually got to where I didn't because people feel sorry for you. And I, that didn't feel right. Right. Like, no, I'm, I'm more empowered than that. Like, I don't want you to feel sorry for me. Um, So that was another story that I had to quit telling. But if I'm going to tell the story now, I have to start from the beginning. And I teased my brother so much. Like he was, this is my youngest brother. He was like the skinniest one out of all of us. Um, when he was like little, little, and then about second or third grade, he just like, started gaining weight and like got pudgy, like pudgy pudgy. And he's still like, he's just a big guy. He's like super tall and built in a big way. But yeah, he just all of a sudden started gaining weight and I started teasing him. I already didn't like him very much. And that's a talk for another day. But um, he and I, I think, have a karmic relationship as well. We get along great now. He's probably the one I get along the best with now, um, which I find really interesting. But anyway, so I already, you know, was looking for a reason to tease him. And then he started gaining weight. And I teased him about being fat for probably a couple years um, until one day I had him so upset and my mom like, coming to his defense and rescue of, like, I was being so mean to him, she said in the heat of that moment that, you know, he may be fat on the outside, but you'll always be ugly on the inside, and I know she didn't mean that, like, mean it, mean it, but again, that's one where, like, I held on to the anger about how could she say that to me, but I was the one that was being ugly on the inside. I was the one that was treating him like that. And whether I liked him or not, didn't freaking matter. Like I was being mean. And again, here comes this, like, it's blowing up in my face. It's biting me back where I'm sending negativity out into the world and it's coming back to me, um, and yeah, I mean, I'll never forget that. I can see her face clear as day where she told me that. And I knew in that moment that that doesn't feel good at all. Like, I don't want to be ugly in any sense. Um, Like, and where she said, like, I'll always be ugly on the inside. Like, I felt a little bit like, am I? Am I? Like, I'm, this is really a talk for another day on why I didn't like Sam, um, my youngest brother, but yeah, it, I was very unhappy. I was a very unhappy child a lot now that I know because I was not emotionally supported. I'm a very emotional person. I had zero emotional support. I had no idea what to do with my emotional energy. They told me to calm down. They told me to chill out. They told me to just don't worry about it. And I didn't know how to do any of those things. I'm like, I just am full of emotional energy and I have no idea, no idea what to do. And so I understand now, um, why I was so frustrated and angry because I didn't, I felt very out of sorts. I felt very unsupported. And my perception was that Sam, my youngest brother, who was the baby of our family was very supported, overly supported in my opinion. And so I picked on him heavily because he got the support. I thought I needed a little bit of that and it didn't work, right? Like me picking on Sam did not did not inspire my mother to support me more. If anything, it inspired her to push me further away. And that only exacerbated, however you say that word, it made the problem worse. And that just, I mean, that was like fifth grade, like I said. And then here's seventh grade where now the whole seventh grade class is turning against me and going into high school where my depression and anxiety like really took off. Um, Yeah, it, all of that. I think was me going through the stages of learning what unconditional love is not, um, what not love is and what that disconnected place really feels like. Because at the end of the day, I, I understand now that when I feel tore up inside or angry or, feeling loss or feeling heartbreak or any of that. It's just being disconnected from my inner being. It's, it's pinching myself off from the empowerment that is naturally mine. And that happens when we don't like ourselves, when we see ourselves as bad and we're putting ourselves down, we're pinching ourselves off from the empowerment that's naturally ours. And unconditional love is for me being in alignment with my inner being. When I'm aligned with my inner being, that part of me that is an extension of source like we all have, we all have an inner being. Everybody's inner being is an extension of source. When we align with that inner being, not only are we walking our soul's path, but we are hooked up with the unconditional love that source feels for each and every one of us. And realizing that that like true unconditional love is something that comes from inside of us. It's something that we tap into. It's always there. And we choose to turn and lean our way into it. And for so long, I was looking for love in all the wrong places. Like the saying goes, like, I was looking for my mom to love me, I was looking for my brothers to love me, I was looking for the people at school to love me, I was looking for my boyfriends to love me, I was looking for everybody to convince me that I was good and none of them could because I had this dominant understanding that I was bad, that I was mean, that I was unlikable, that I was ugly on the inside. And then seventh grade happened and then I thought I'm ugly on the outside too. Great. Great. That's just wonderful. So, that kicked off like a whole decade of depression of like me just being miserable in this life and attempting suicide twice and coming back to thinking about attempting it again. And that's what finally woke me up to love is not something that comes from outside of us, love is something that comes from inside of us. And it is a love that we hold for ourselves. And unconditional love is loving ourselves no matter what anybody else thinks of us and that has absolutely been something that is still something that I practice um moving my way towards uh like I don't I I definitely don't believe that I'm as good at it as I'll ever get I think every day we get a little bit closer to who we were born to be and this is no different like I think I'm definitely experiencing unconditional love at times. And when I really, really focus and try, I can turn it on towards myself and other people. Um, But as far as it being like my first nature and a default response, not always. (laughs) Sometimes I get triggered and my shit takes over and you know, that, that can be difficult or challenging to like make your way back to unconditional love. Like, not try to blame other people, not try to say that they're the ones that are wrong and that they should be different so that I can feel better. To to take that focus and point it inside of ourselves and say, how could I be more in alignment with my inner being right now? And by being in alignment with my inner being, I automatically have access to the unconditional love that Source holds for me always. Um, so this has been an amazing uh, <laughs> amazing little ditty. Um, I cannot believe I told the story about, well, either of those things, the seventh grade experience or, uh, my mom telling me that. And I, I, you know, same as the, as the seventh grade experience where I, I was not the victim there and I was not the victim of my mother either. I chose her on purpose because she's a truth teller (laughs) and she tells it like it is. And, She is a very harmonious being and she doesn't put up with drama and bullshit. And she shut me down (laughs) on me teasing him, me treating him like that, me upsetting him and me taking my aggression and frustration out on him. She put a stop to it. Um, I think a lot just subconsciously in pursuit of harmony, she hated all the bickering and the back and forth, um, She manifested it. She had four children. I mean, she was definitely in the driver's seat of that. But I do think that she said some things to me over my life that my soul needed to hear, that they planted seeds that, you know, life experience watered and it grew into who I am today. And who I am today is a very beautiful soul. My inner world is very beautiful. It's very loving. It's harmonious. It would never hurt anyone intentionally, ever, for any reason. Um, and really, my practice is even if somebody is, quote unquote, hurting me, is to love them anyway. <laughs> is to just stay hooked up with my inner being and love them anyway and to love my mom for every little thing that she ever said to me and to love my brother for being there to fight with when I was little and for helping me to learn that it matters the way you treat people and for forgiving me and we're like we're cool now you know like all of these things um it's all exactly the way that I wanted it to be there were people who you know did things that in the moment on the surface, it looked like they were pursuit. They were persecuting me unfairly. Um, But as I zoom out and as I look back, always, always, always life is a reflection of us. Yeah. Our outer world is a reflection of our inner world. And I can totally see where my inner world attracted all of these experiences And I know enough about like soul paths and karmic lessons and all of that to know that like I needed a massive pile of compassion and to just like unconditional love to know compassion, you have to know not compassion. And I know it because I lived it. I showed it. I showed a total disrespect and total lack of compassion for my fellow humans. Um, And those are the experiences that have helped to make me who I am. They they showed me that that's not who I want to be. And through those experiences, however painful they were, I clarified who I am and who I am choosing to be. And in that experience, my soul evolved. So I do believe that that's what we're here for, is to evolve our souls and to get better and learn lessons. So there's really no reason to ever beat ourselves up for any mistakes, because any mistakes, which aren't really a thing, um, are just clarifying that that's really not who we want to be. doesn't matter the mistakes we make. It matters how we choose to be after that, what we choose to learn from those experiences and how we choose to be going forward. We can we can bury it and we can, you know, let it subconsciously create guilt and shame for us that works its way out on, you know, however many levels and experiences um, when we're not expressing it consciously. Or we can own that and we can examine those instances where we're ashamed of our behavior and we can figure out, you know, if I'm ever in a situation like that again how do I want to proceed? How do I want to behave? And we can learn and we can choose to evolve and be different, be better and to ourselves and to each other. And I think that's noble. So in that sense, I mean, how does your soul evolve if you don't make mistakes? If you don't do things that blow up in your face, how do you learn? Right? Like how does your soul evolve when there's no clarification happening and we know the clarification is only happening through the contrast, those negative feeling events. So yeah, it, this whole, this whole energy is feeling very, very Zen, very peaceful, very much realizing that all is well, all is well in my past, all is well in my present and all is well in my future. And as for this moment, I thank you. I thank you for sharing it with me. I thank you for listening and for taking in this information and whatever ripple effects it creates in your world. um, I hope they're enjoyable. I'm certain that they're appropriate. They're necessary. Um, If you're hearing this, I think that means that, you know, this is what was supposed to manifest and that's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to know that the universe is, is, constantly holding us and is constantly guiding us and is constantly doing everything that it can do to help us to live the life our soul came forward to live. There are so many people around us, so many cooperative components that play their part by reflecting things to us, um, to where we get to decide. We get to see ourselves more clearly and we get to decide if we want to stay the same or if we want to evolve. And I'm just right now very generally grateful for anybody who's ever done me wrong, who's ever ever treated me poorly, who's ever helped me to see myself and my life and this existence more clearly because I am absolutely in love with where I am today. And where I am today is sharing this moment with you. So always, always, always so grateful for that. And until next time, dear friends, you take such good care of yourselves. And so will I.